Welcome to the Romani Tea Room, a podcast series by the European Roma Rights Centre, talking about Romani activism, history and culture. So pour yourself a cup of tea, pull up a chair and join us. Hello, you're listening to the Romani Tea Room and I'm your host Sophie Datishvili. Human nature is all about survival. We tend to flee from dangerous environments, to find safe heavens and peace for our loved ones. No matter who you are, you follow this path of survival. In the last decade, for many Eastern European Roma, the UK has become such a safe place, fleeing from discrimination, segregation, extreme poverty and racism. Many Romani families have sought a better life there, around 200,000 people to be precise. After Brexit, they have become at risk of losing their rights of residence. Some members of the community lack the documentations and digital skills necessary to apply for the EU Settlement Scheme, known as the EUSS. The application can only be done online. Sounds easy, right? Not at all. For many Romani migrants, this is simply impossible without extra help. Meanwhile, the pandemic rages in the UK and the clock is ticking with only a few months left to apply. What is the way out of the situation? Who's there to help? And what are the main problems of the Roma communities in the UK, which may look like a safe haven from a distance, but, well, is it? In the first part of the podcast, I invite members of the Luton Roma Trust, a local NGO in the UK. The manager of the organization, Krina Morteano, and communications officer, Alunale Badatu, will tell us more. So we're starting our conversation. Hello, Aluna. Hello, Karina. Um, let's start from the most important. What is the EUSS and what Romani migrants from the EU countries should know about it? So EUSS, it's, uh, it's an abbreviation for EU Settlement Scheme. And this is a new residence scheme that all migrant, EU migrants has to have. Uh, for being able to continue living and working in the UK after Brexit. So Brexit already happened. We are already out of the uh, European Union. And we still have some time to apply. It's called the grace period until uh, 30th of June this year. Uh, But there is one very important rule. You have to be in the UK before uh, the, the past new year. What happens if you miss the deadlines? I guess that will be a trouble and you will need an immigration advice, to be honest. Uh, I don't want to be very pessimistic, you know, but the reality is that um, not very good hope is that you can still continue unless there are some circumstances that, you know, really um, didn't allow you to apply. For example, if someone is ill in coma, you know, or something like that, that really like you couldn't physically apply. And um, I still hope that these issues can be, it's just my hope, yeah, uh, can be resolved through a good immigration advisor and lawyers. But um, my best advice is that um, apply if you've been here in the UK before the new year, just apply because it is so important. And if um, life in the UK is important for you, if you want to continue living in here, you have to have this. Uh, Karina, when Brexit was under discussion, Roma rights NGOs working in the UK worried that uh, many Roma would lose their rights to stay in the UK afterwards because of these technical peculiarities in this process of applying for the residence permission. 
Is this fear still reasonable when Brexit is already concluded? Um, yes, Sophie, indeed, uh, the Roma rights, Roma NGOs here in the UK um, have been quite active, actually, in showing the barriers that the Roma community is facing in particular in accessing this scheme, which is so important for their lives. Because if you did not apply to, uh, to get your residency status in this country, you are simply not allowed to be here anymore, and you automatically become illegal, and then, of course, you are at risk of being deported. And we are talking of one of the most vulnerable groups in Europe, um, and of course in the UK as well, which is the Roma uh, community. Um, their vulnerability, of course, lies in the fact that they had already been vulnerable when they arrived in this country. Uh, they do not have the necessary skills uh, that a person needs in order to apply to this scheme, including um, uh, IT skills, including the, uh, a smartphone, and um, many of them don't yet have access to internet. So if, if you do not have these three things, you are simply not able to go on with your application and apply under this scheme. Of course, you, you'd uh, need to have the, the information in relation to this scheme. You would need to understand why this scheme is important for you, why you have to apply, why it's necessary that your children are all registered under the scheme, why it's not only sufficient that only you and your wife um, are uh, able to, to get your status, but why is it important? And there are so many questions which they actually need uh, need to have answers for before they actually apply. And Roma NGOs, of course, they, they were very vocal um, and they've done so, so much effort actually, especially uh, I would mention here Roma Support Group, which is the umbrella organization um, and works uh, very well on, on these issues. Um, and of course, a, a few points uh, that we actually um, uh, made public was first that there are technical barriers in relation to the Roma population. And as I said, um, you know, th there are a wide range of issues which the Roma population is facing in accessing this uh, uh, settlement scheme, EU settlement scheme. Secondly, there is a lack of lack of uh, a physical proof of this status. So the only way a person can prove uh, their residency in the UK is to go to a, a governmental website, put in their details, and then they will be shown whether they have the right to reside in the UK or not. Most of them do not have this information and they don't know how to get it. And we at Lutoroma Trust are, um, over overloaded with phone calls, um, you know, from people asking us to help them get a proof of their status. Because as I, as I will explain, um, you know, not having a, a, a residency status in the UK might affect your life in so many areas, mm -hmm. um, especially on the fact that you wouldn't be able to access benefits if you don't have a status in the UK. And although the, the UK government has said that this would actually come into, these requirements would only apply after 30th of June, which is the, the end of the grace period, um, you know, 2021, um, they have already started using it now. So people who cannot prove their status right now are not able to access the social security system, uh, are not able to get a job because they are asked for this status, are simply not able to um, uh, uh, rent a house because again, 
uh, landlords are asking already for, for this status to make sure they are not illegal in this country. Um, and this has posed uh, great challenges uh, because theoretically the government would say, no, this, this um, shouldn't apply, but in practice they do happen. And Roma are affected disproportionately com compared to other, uh, to other groups in the UK, especially because of uh, their already existing vulnerabilities, as we know. Um, and uh, of course, this, uh, this um, has posed great challenges to our work as well. During the, the last year, we've been really faced with such an amount of pressure, um, especially because of the pandemic and the lockdowns. This is the third lockdown we are facing now in the UK. And because of this situation, we have to close our office. Um, although we try our best to help people from uh, online or by phone to come to fill in their applications and um, submit their applications. Um, it has been very difficult actually to explain to someone on the phone how they should log in, what they should upload, um, how they should uh, hold their smartphone to identify themselves because you know that, that's the first step um, and there there are cases we have where people have simply not been able to uh, to manage their applications and they had to ask for friends or other people they knew who uh, could help them with um, you know on the ground if, if we couldn't what do you think the government should do in this case i mean how do you see the way out of this situation and the responsibilities of the UK government. One of the things we actually advocated for, and when I say we, I refer to Lutonoma Trust, was to um, extend the deadline for application because uh, we are not living normal times because the situation all over the world is extraordinary. And this has already affected the lives of many people. And as a result of the pandemic, we ask the, you know, the, the government to actually uh, think carefully about how, how uh, the rights protection, especially of the most vulnerable groups in, in the UK, is met, or whether there is any protection, or the, their actions are actually um, discriminating against certain uh, uh, groups in, in the society. Um, and th this was one of the points we want to raise with, with the government and with the, uh, with the UK, of course, because although we are, we are working in Luton and we are more or less a grassroots organization, we are very much aware of the situation at national level. And we know that people are struggling to access this scheme. And there are still people who don't understand why this is necessary for them. Uh, I'm Aluna. Luton Roma Trust has started an information campaign. Um, recently, I saw some video explainers on your page, quite interesting ones. What is your aim in this process and how does it apply to the different technical or language barriers that Roma migrants in Britain have? Yes, thank you for this question. I was actually waiting for that and uh, to continue Karina's uh, um, thought. Um, indeed, the information about EU settlement scheme is not widespread within the Roma community. You know, it, it's just on the governmental page, you can see that the information, indeed, they try to explain everything in all EU languages, but they do not consider, you know, Roma as an official, you know, uh, nation and so on. So we do not have this information officially in Romanes. But we have, uh, by the last estimations, more than 200,000 Roma in the UK, like migrant Roma Europeans, you know. And we really needed that information. This is what 
uh, Roma charities, Roma NGOs, like Luton Roma Trust, Roma Support Group, and I guess some other organizations trying to do, to give this information in Romanes for people to understand in their own language. Yes, indeed, at the Luton Roma Trust, we do um, different informational resources, video info resources in Romanes language, and uh, we also do it in Romanian. And if we have any opportunities to translate it in all the other languages, we would use this opportunity, you know. At the moment, we just use our capacity. And um, um, we are sharing it on our online platforms. You can find us on our website, it's Luton Roma Trust or UK. You can find us on Facebook page like Luton Roma Trust as well. And we have a Twitter account with the same name. So uh, all our videos, all our info resources are there. Uh, our partner organizations like Roma Supergroup also have very good resources. Our, you know, Roma communities are trying to support uh, their beneficiaries with info resources. I, I know there are in Glasgow, you know, uh, a small charity that also uh, provides these info resources with their own capacity in Romanes, and that's wonderful because this is something the communities need, you know, activists who want to help their communities. For our listeners, I will just add that you can find all links that Aluna has just mentioned under the podcast episode in the comment section. So go ahead and spread the information and join Luton Roma Trust in their efforts to help Romani migrants navigating in these quite complicated procedures. Karina. In the past decade, many Roma from Eastern Europe have gone to the UK seeking better lives, while they were often discriminated against, segregated or ignored in their home countries. Uh, you have direct contact with many of such families. Have they found safe place in the UK? Um, a short answer is yes, definitely. Um, nothing to compare with how their lives was back in Romania or in Bulgaria. Um, their life here is so much more different. They, they simply don't feel threatened. Uh, they have a job, they are uh, integrated. Their children are going to a, an integrated school where they definitely have the same opportunities as all the other children. Um, and they, they simply have a life here. Back in, in Romania uh, or Bulgaria, I'm just talking about these two countries because of the language limitations in our team, we are only able to um, you know, to, to work with Romanians and Bulgarian mostly, but we would definitely want to extend that to other um, Roma communities, such as the Polish community, which is very big in the UK and Slovakian one. Um, so what I was saying was um, uh, when we all know that back in Romania, most of the Roma are actually living at the edge of the society and uh, segregated settings. Uh, their children are only attending segregated schools with no real uh, future, with no real life, uh, no jobs and, and so on. Uh, when they actually came here, of course, they, they saw a different world and they now are so much integrated that they simply don't want to go back to Romania because they know they have no chance there. If you, if you ask them, what is your home? They will say in the UK, that's where, that's where we stay, that's where we live. And as a European Union citizen, of course, to, to feel treated in this way and threatened uh, with deportation, if you actually don't have a visa, when for so many years you were actually able to come here and stay without a visa, it's a big change. It's a big change for everyone. Um, but we are trying to adjust, of course, and. Uh, uh, people slowly, slowly will start understanding 
but definitely right now, um, from my point of view, I don't think they have a very good understanding of what this actually means for them. So we will have to work with this community for a long time to actually uh, help them understand what, what is this scheme and how they should actually adapt and how should they actually continue their lives in the UK after Brexit. Uh, it's, it's an immense pressure on the charities in the UK to actually provide this sort of services uh, to this, the most disadvantaged communities. Um, and I have to say that uh, specifically in Luton, the, the authorities, the local authorities are not so much engaged um, in, this, um, in these issues. Uh, we've been trying for uh, several years. We've been discussing. However, you know, when it comes to the practical side of the things and really exactly providing a, a real help to these communities, I have to say it is lacking. Um, we don't know exactly what are the reasons. We were never explained what are the reasons, but we feel there is a need to work a lot more with the authorities to also make them understand who are the Roma and why it is so important to actually uh, protect them and make sure they are not feeling discriminated in this country. But there is a lot of confusion between uh, Roma and Romanians and most of public officials actually do not make the difference between who are the Roma and who are the Romanians. They think Roma are actually Romanians or there is a, a part of them which believe Rome are coming from Rome, which is even more dangerous. So of course, I think we have to start from, from a very low level where we start actually training public officials on the culture of Roma and who the Roma are. And slowly, slowly through this process, find a way of communicating and understanding each other. Actually, you mentioned a very interesting issue and we'll go back to this in a few minutes in the second part of our podcast. But before this, uh, is there anything you would like to add? Yeah, I would like to add something, to be honest, just a very small point, but quite important. So is the effect of the pandemic over the EU settlement scheme applications, you know, because uh, we are in the lockdown, we're in the pandemic period uh, from March, the application process slowed down. And that made it even more difficult for the Roma people to apply and actually to get to know about that. First of all, indeed, as Karina said before, we do not have the chance to help people face to face because our office is closed, uh, especially uh, south, um, south of England and uh, London. On the other hand, embassies closed for, for a while and those wrong people who didn't have you know, valid passports, valid IDs, they couldn't apply for, for their IDs to you know, apply then further for the EU settlement scheme. Nowadays, the embassy is open, but they still work certain periods of time. I mean, maybe not all, all of the embassies, but I know certain embassies, uh, okay, maybe not in this lockdown, but there was a period of time when embassies opened, but they worked uh, lower hours and, uh, and you know, in smaller capacity. And they still, I mean, I couldn't book my clients for, uh, for passport renewals because the line was so huge. Um, the resolution center, this is the center which is uh, supporting, you know, with the applications over the phone and they are very helpful usually, but during the lockdown they were closed. We are in the third lockdown, so we had first and second, which the resolution center was closed. Later on it opened, but again in a very small capacity. And when I needed to call, you know, for my clients, I either had to wait like hours in line, either I, I couldn't get them uh, to them at all. 
And um, unfortunately, those people who already applied, they waited for more than, I had cases when people waited more than half a year for their results, because, you know, uh, people who work over the system, you know, in the system, they didn't have time or, or they were reduced uh, in positions and each application took so long, which usually it must take minimum, uh, maximum three months, maximum two, three months, you know. So um, these are the issues. And that's why we think that the government has to consider prolonging this grace period, you know, because the, the lockdown affected it too much. Uh, Roma people is one of the most vulnerable group in Europe, generally in, in the UK in particularly, they need this chance you know, this is not their fault that they couldn't apply. This is like the situation. So maybe you can understand the situation, give us some more time to apply. So far, do you see any signs that the government is willing to prolong the deadline? We don't know. <laughs> just, just to mention, because a few mm -hmm. days ago, we came across a very interesting article in Guardian. Mm -hmm. uh, which actually is very important to mention because uh, it refers to the um, migrants voluntary returning scheme. So EU nationals have also been included under this scheme now after Brexit, which means that the government gives you a grant for up to 2000 pounds if you decide to voluntarily return to your home country. So. Mm -hmm. I don't, in this context, I don't think um, the UK government will, will extend any deadline. Thank you for your time and wish you good luck in your efforts. Goodbye. Okay. Thank you. And now the ERC's Advocacy and Communications Manager, Jonathan Lee, joins me. He's Welsh Romani and will be talking about why it is still a challenging environment for Roma migrants in the UK today and whether a better life awaits them there. Or not. Uh, Jonathan, thank you for joining us for this episode of the podcast. Hi, Sophie. Uh, Jonathan, Brexit has already happened. This will change the immigration procedures between the EU and UK a lot. How will the EU citizens not already registered be treated now? Uh, if you want to see how EU citizens not already registered are going to be treated, we can look at how non-Europeans are already being treated by this government. Um, this is a conservative government which has declared itself hostile to immigration, has targeted Romanian traveler people, and for many years has produced pursued a, a relentless policy of deporting ethnic minorities. Um, so there's a, a scandal in the UK called the Windrush scandal. It's named after the ship that brought Caribbean people to the country after the war. Um, it's led to many Commonwealth citizens who don't have British citizenship, but for whom the UK is basically the only country they've ever known, being deported by the government on chartered flights. Um, often they're sent to countries where their safety is threatened, where they usually have no experience of living. Sometimes they may not even speak the local language. Um, we've had cases where known people have been sent to countries such as Zimbabwe where they know they're at risk of torture and death, but are sent anyway. Uh, and this is all part of a policy which the current government call the hostile environment. It's a series of measures to try and make life as difficult as possible for people without leave to remain in the UK. So aside from deportations, it does things like it restricts your access to welfare and services, your ability to work. 
Uh, it puts a duty on employers and landlords to carry out ID checks on foreign people. There's like a deliberately complex process for getting leave to remain. Um, I mean, they, they even send like vans around with threatening messages on them uh, about what will happen if you're caught as an illegal immigrant and you're being deported. Uh, you know, and this it's been found to have broken the law already by the Equality and Human Rights Commission. The UN have condemned it for making xenophobia increase in the UK. It's a deeply racist set of measures. Uh, and this is the reality for people without leave to remain in the UK or people who don't necessarily have the right documentation for leaving the UK. For those Roma who don't get this EU settled status, they will find themselves in an increasingly hostile environment created by this government, um, who in the past haven't hesitated to demonize minorities and immigrants to increase political support. Our guest from Luton Roma Trust mentioned the confusion which the UK government representatives quite often have when it comes to the terminology and even naming Roma. How common is this and what are the reasons behind it? Yeah, uh, you know, local government and I think the general public in the UK as well confuse the word Roma, especially with Romanians. Um, but they know who gypsies are. You know, as soon as you realize that as they, so when they realize that you mean gypsies, when you say Roma, then you quite quickly see how the tolerance of the UK towards Romani people can fade away. Uh, the reason why a lot of Roma find they are less discriminated against in the UK is because it's the most multicultural country in Europe. Roma migrate to cities which are very diverse. So they don't stand out in the way they would in Eastern European countries, which are predominantly very white. Um, and they also, they, they simply don't look like what most British people would imagine a gypsy looks like. Um, so for a while they could pass under the radar to a certain extent. Uh, although I'm, I'm sure that many Roma migrants have become used to doing the same thing that British Romani people do, which is to not advertise your ethnicity, uh, as there's still a very high level of accepted anti-gypsyism in society. Generally, the confusion would be around, so terminology around Romani people can be challenging in the UK because there's so many different groups of people who are commonly thought of as being the same by the public. Romani people from the UK, so I mean people who have been there for 500 years or something, will always refer to themselves as gypsies. Um, unlike elsewhere in Europe, you know, it doesn't carry this stigma. It doesn't have the same etymology as something like Zigan, for example. Um, and it, it's like a self-referred. How could you explain this? Because in other parts of Europe, it's considered quite derogatory. Uh, I think a lot of it is confusion between a word that comes from like Zigan and then translating it into English as gypsy. They don't necessarily have the same root. So gypsy comes from when Romani people arrived in England, they had dark skin and English people thought they were Egyptian. So they called them Egyptians, which became gypsy. Um, it's a similar route to Gitano in Spanish. It's a very different word to Tsigan in most Eastern European languages, which particularly in Romania, for example, is rooted in slavery. This was a word used to refer to slaves. It, you know, it was equal to mean an ethnicity and a slave in former Romanian territories. Um, I don't know, I would say it, within the UK, it's perfectly fine to refer to British Romani people as gypsies. 
I wouldn't refer to Roma in the UK as gypsies, and I certainly wouldn't refer to anyone else in Europe as gypsies. Um, it's, you know, it's interestingly that it's, it's perfectly fine for non, for Gajic, for non-Roma people in the UK to talk about gypsies as well. It doesn't have this like taboo, like in Hungary, for example, where Tsigan might be used by Hungarian Roma, but it certainly shouldn't be used by majority Hungarians. Can we say that the officials in the UK got tangled in between the terminologies? That would be being too kind to them. Um, <laughs> I don't think they got tangled. I think they were just plainly ignorant and have, li you know, it's basically you've got these groups all existing in the UK and for local officials, they're basically all just gypsies to them anyway. They don't really see a difference, nor do they care to. Um, particularly at a local government level, as Karina mentioned, and particularly in England, you get this kind of attitude. Um, all of you do the same suspicion as a rule, all carry the same stereotypes that Romani people have been burdened with all over the world. Um, it's, it, it's, it's laziness really, <laughs> that, you know, that you would think, oh, Roma, I think she said someone that uh, they thought they were from Rome. When they realize that when you mean Roma, you mean gypsies, it like clicks, then they'll be like, oh, okay. You mean Romanian gypsies, who they think of as maybe different from British gypsies, but it's all a bad thing to them, right? It's generally not a positive connotation. Exactly. In the first part of the podcast, uh, we heard several times about the reasons Roma from European countries leave their homeland and migrate to the UK. I doubt that uh, all the problems of these people disappear once they cross the border. As even the ERRC has reported and reflected on many problems related to Roma rights in the UK, and you have already mentioned some of them. Uh, is, is this the case when Romani migrants face new challenges uh, in a new place? Uh, their problems don't all disappear, no, uh, but they do change. Obviously, they were, they're not going to face the same levels of marginalization in the UK as they would in their home country. Um, not because people are any less racist or anything like that, but probably because state institutions are more robust. Democratic structures are stronger. Anti-discrimination legislation is basically more advanced than anywhere in Europe. So you're not going to have segregated schools. You're not going to have whole communities forced evicted and made homeless. Um, you definitely don't have se uh, residential segregation in the same way or the level of police violence you find in places like Slovakia, Romania, Bulgaria, where you have mass raids on Romani neighborhoods. However, they're not moving to a, a Roma-friendly paradise either, um, particularly in the years since the current political party have been in power. So the Conservative Party has an anti-Gypsyism problem. Um, it's from top to bottom throughout the party. There's been, going, going back decades, there's countless of instances of racist hate speech by conservative politicians towards gypsies, Roma, and travelers. Since they've gained power in 2010, however, they've implemented policies um, which are designed to deliver on promises they made in election pledges to crack down on Romani and traveler people. So this isn't a government for which helping Roma is in their priorities. So, I mean, they took power in 2010 um, within a year, almost the first thing they did was to cut gypsy and traveler education services. Um, so by 2011, almost half of England's local authorities had completely abolished traveler education. By now, there's almost none left. Uh, they made huge cuts to legal aid, meaning 
um, Romani people or anyone basically who faces discrimination have to cough up a lot of the cash themselves up front. The costs of this in England and Wales, at least, are tens of thousands of pounds easily. So it's just not possible for most people. Um, one of the most like insidious things they did. So in 2015, they changed planning laws, like municipal planning laws, to redefine gypsies and travelers as persons of nomadic habit, no matter what their race. So what it means that any Romani or traveler person who does not travel as part of their life for whatever reason was no longer protected by ethnic status in the municipal planning process. So, you know, suddenly what you get is Romani people have to define their ethnicity by an action commonly associated with them. Um, it, it, it's like saying to someone is no longer considered British Indian if they don't run an Indian restaurant or you're Georgian, uh, the Tbilisi, Tbilisi municipality uh, no longer consider you Georgian if you don't like eating kinkali. It's insane. It's like it has no sort of basis in any kind of equality law. And at the same time, they removed any duty on local government to build um, what are called like designated halting sites to allow traveling people to still live a nomadic way of life as they have for hundreds, thousand years in some case. In So since the last election, the Conservatives uh, regained power in 2017. Um, they further promised to like crack down on gypsies. So they've increased police powers to deal with um, gypsies and travelers living temporarily on public land without permission. This was actually against the wishes of police forces. They said they have enough powers, but they've put them through anyway because like a lot of these things, it's an ideological move. It looks good for voters to be tough on gypsies. Right now, the thing that most traveler and gypsy activists are trying to fight is uh, the government want to criminalize trespass, which would basically be the final nail in the coffin for traveling people and a traveling way of life. It would, um, it would allow police to confiscate on site the vehicles of anyone suspected to be trespassing on public land if they think they have the purpose of residing on it. So, you know, this doesn't apply, for example, to a conservative councillor who stopped in his BMW on the side of the road. This is specifically aimed at people in the UK who live a nomadic way of life. It criminalizes traveling and it's completely discriminatory. It simultaneously um, removes, so the, the law to remove your ethnicity in the planning process simultaneously persecutes you for that ethnicity. So you're, you're being hit with like having your ethnic protection removed in one sense, but also being persecuted for it. Um, and, and obviously for, for Roma who migrate to the UK, almost all of them don't intend to pursue a nomadic way of life, I imagine. Um, but, you know, this government has already shown its hand when it comes to immigration. It definitely has no issues uh, utilizing anti-Roma sentiments as a way of increasing its electoral turnout. So that there's definitely cause for concern for Roma migrating to the UK. I think it's it's not unrealistic to say that in the coming months and years, there's going to be a degradation of rights. Um, the social welfare system is going to be massively downgraded, as well as the massive hardships brought about by Brexit and particularly the economic austerity measures from the current government. Thank you, Jonathan. It was interesting to have a conversation with you.
This is all for today. If you can spread the word about the EUSS inside the UK Roma community, this might be of immense help for some families there and quite good support for the local NGOs who try to reach everyone with their small resources. Stay tuned for the next episode and thank you for listening.